Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy? Pioneer aerospace excellence? Start a global hospitality brand? Be next to do it in Montgomery County, Maryland. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com to see how our top talent, diversity, and location will help you be the next company to change the world. Welcome to the Fantrax Prospect Toolshed. If you love prospects, you came to the right place, as that's what this show is all about. Covering all levels of the minors to help give you an advantage in your dynasty leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. All right, prospect fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 14 of the Fantrax Prospect Toolshed with Clegg and Cross. Powered, of course, by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. And joining me, as always, in the tool shed is the guy that likes to rub it in when it's nice weather down there and crappy weather up here in Maine, Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, buddy? Hey, man, doing good. Yeah, I was just, we were just chatting before talking about how I was out playing some disc golf this afternoon. It was like nearly 60 degrees here in upstate South Carolina. You know, it was very nice. Then Eric proceeds to tell me it hit 20 degrees in, in Maine. So, I was not envious at all because I don't <laughs> care for cold weather, which is why I don't live up north. But hey, we're glad to hear. We're glad you're here with us. It's a great day to talk some prospects. We're talking some more starting pitchers as we had a, a great episode last week. We're going to pick up on that today and continue it. We're going to be talking more prospects tonight than it was degrees here today in Maine. <laughs> like it was like a high of about 2021. 20, at least it hasn't snowed in a while, though I probably just jinxed it. We've actually had a very mild uh, winter in terms of snow accumulation, but it's been really cold last week or so. It's kind of plummeted down single digits at night. Uh, I look at my phone right now, and it is, let's see, about 16 degrees right now, and it's going down by the minute. So probably be down to about 10 times we get done this recording. But like Chris said, we're talking some, some more pitching prospects today. We did our top 25 last week and we're going to talk a whole bunch more this week do our breakout some talk about some 2020 debuts a lot of intriguing names on the rise a lot of good stuff going on tonight but before we do you can find us on twitter i'm at aircross04 chris is at roto clegg our show is at fantrax toolshed please subscribe to our podcast give us a five-star review on itunes or on your preferred podcasting platform we always appreciate those ratings and reviews and they mean a lot some personal and fan tracks plugs. Obviously, check out the draft kit. We've been pumping out several articles a day, you know, 10, 15 articles a week. We got consensus staff ranking, sleepers, bust, strategy, prospects, dynasty from Chris and I. A lot of good stuff here. We, Chris and I started our team by team top 20 prospect articles as well. Chris did Atlanta last week and I did Arizona. And then this week I got Colorado and the Dodgers coming out and maybe even San Fran if I can get that far along with some outfield bust, and at some point, I have no idea when, I'll mix in my uh, updated 2021 positional rankings as well. Uh, Chris, what do you get coming out this week? Yeah, I'm covering the uh, Marlin system this week, which is a blast. That's an awesome system, by the way. So yeah. Marlins fans have a lot to be excited about. And I'm looking at some uh, hitters that lose some value in OBP leagues. Last week, talked a little bit about hitters that gain value there. And then looking at quality start leagues and looking at the importance of that. And if you play in a quality start league, what uh, characteristics you should look for in a pitcher and then pitchers in general that do gain a little value there. So this will be what's coming up this week. Yeah, a lot more good stuff. So check out FantraxHQ.com and, and that draft kit. And also all the other great podcasts we have on the Fantrax Podcast Network, including my other show, Five Tool. We have SP Streamer, Triple Play on campus, Kick Around, Fantasy Hockey Life, and IDP. And the Triple Play guys just had Matthew Barry on their football show and that's a that's a big get right there uh he's like the you know the top guy in terms of fantasy football even though i don't play much but i know matthew barry is a big name so yeah, go check that out that looked like it was a pretty fun episode i caught a little bit of it 
Um, but yeah, let's get into the show here, Chris. Uh, but before we get into the guys we're talking about this week, let's do a little bit of a recap from last week with our top 25 consensus, uh, which we started out with Mackenzie Gore at the top. And then the rest of the top 10 was Sixto Sanchez, Nate Pearson, Matt Manning, Ian Anderson, Casey Mize, Luis Patino, Forrest Whitley, Emerson Hancock, and Asa Lacey. 11 through 20, Spencer Howard, Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, Max Meyer, Michael Kopech, Grayson Rodriguez, Clark Schmidt, Tariq Skubal, Nick Lodolo, Braylon Marquez. And then rounding up the top 25 was Edward Cabrera from the Marlins that Chris is writing up this week, Mick Abel, Shane Boz, Simeon Woods-Richardson, and Daniel Lynch. Now getting into this week here, let's start off with our own personal 26 through 50. Chris, take us away. Yeah, so this is exciting. Uh, again, a great group here. So 26 is a guy that we both love, and that's Mick Abel, and Shane Baz, Ethan Hankins, who we're going to talk about here just shortly, D.L. Hall, and Daniel Espino rounding out 30, and then 31 through 40. We've got Hunter Green, Shane McClanahan, Reed Detmers, Johan Duran, Jordan Belazovic, Matthew Libertore, Jackson Rutledge, Dane Dunning, Jackson Coar, and Jared Kelly at 40. And then 41 through 50, we got Matthew Allen, A.J. Puck, Garrett Crochet, Davey Garcia, Nick Bitsko, Brennan McKay, Joe Ryan, Adam Kloffenstein, Ryan Weathers, and then Cole Wilcox rounding out the 50. And for me, I got Brendan McKay at 26, D.L. Hall, Daniel Lynch, Hunter Green, and Daniel Espino at 30, 31 through 40. I got Ethan Hankins, Jared Kelly, Nick Bisco, Shane McClanahan, Jordan Belazovich, Josiah Gray, Tristan McKenzie, Matthew Allen, and Reed Detmers. And then uh, 41 through 50, Blake Walston, Jackson Rutledge, Cade Cavalli, Yohan Duran, Bryce Jarvis, Cole Wilcox, Dane Dunning, Brendan Malone, AJ Puck, and Alec Manoa. All right, a lot of intriguing names there in both of our... 26 through 50 ranks. Let's get right into the discussion here, starting off with a trio of Cleveland arms, because we all know the Cleveland arms are always exciting. There's a trio here, one of which debuted last year, two of which are a little further away, but contain very high upside. Chris, let's start with Ethan Hankins here. I know you personally, well, I'm high on him too, but you personally are very, very high on Ethan Hankins. Why do you give the listeners a little tidbit of why that is? Yeah, well, coming out of high school, I mean, he was the favorite to go first overall, which is pretty insane for a high school arm. But some injuries kind of cost him. He dropped down a little bit. The Indians probably feel like they got a steal at 35 overall. I mean, the talent is immense here. The fastball, he just blows by hitters. The the slider is a wipeout pitch. Curve and change are both developing. But I think both those pitches can be average. Where he struggles and why he is not higher on most people's rankings is just the control and command issues, which – I mean, it's there. It's obvious. Like he struggles with walks. It just is part of his game right now. I do think that he develops that a little bit. I really do think that comes down. And even in 2019, I mean, 11.7 and 12.8% walk rates, those won't kill you. And I do think that he can get down in like the nine to 10% range because the, the Indians do a great job with developing pitchers. And they really do a good job of getting these guys to get their, their command down, the, the control down. The delivery. I mean, I was watching a video of him just a couple of weeks ago, and he's been working out back in Georgia in his hometown. And the mechanics just look so fluid and so smooth, which is encouraging. Uh, the body position that I'm seeing just looks all good. And he's just how much like stretch he gets there when he's coming off the mound with that with that height and the arm. I mean, dude, he's getting such good downhill playing. I think that he's going to be able to go deep into outings. Really like what I see here. And so I think Hankins is a guy that does make a big jump this year. I, I think that we see improved command and control. And like I said, even if the walk rates sit at like 9 to 10%, like he's going to be fine because he strikes out so many hitters. The swinging strike rates are solid. I, I'm just really liking what I see out of him. And he gets the, he keeps the ball on the ground also, which is encouraging. When you can strike yeah. guys out a lot and keep it on the ground, it's a good combo to have. And so Hankins is a guy that I've been aggressive on for a while, and I do think that you see him make the jump this year. Yeah, I'm almost as high on Hankins as you are. The one thing for me, though, you know, while the the off speed stuff has flashed, especially you know the breaking pitches and the curveball, I would like to see a little more consistency there. Which you know, the, some of that will come with you know additional repetitions because he only has 
63 innings under his belt since he was drafted over two years ago, 2018 draft. So, and he, and he missed time with injury too. So, I think the stuff will tick up. The command control will tick up as well. So, very high in Hankins. But me personally, I'm a little higher on Spin Daniel Espino just because, you know, while they're both like they're only a few spots apart in my ranking. So, it's almost splitting hairs here. But I just like the all around repertoire of Espino a little better. You know, the fastball sits the mid 90s with good life. Really strong. He's not a big guy, 6'2", 205 listed, but really, really strong frame. See in the lower half. Like those legs look like tree trunks, and he really gets good extension in that delivery, which is a very athletic delivery. Like I, if you watch Espino, I wouldn't recommend teaching you know your child that's learning how to pitch this delivery because it is it's very athletic, especially with the push off leg, but he repeats it well. So you know, I I heard some detractors that kind of bumped him down because of that. But he repeats it well, so I'm not too concerned about that. Both his breaking balls, curve and slider, distinct break. You know, both have very strong break as well, differentiating shape to them. Slider is a bit better than the curveball. So slider is probably plus, curveball above average, but flashes plus, slider flashes above plus. Both very lethal pitches. Change up at least around average, flashes above average, but needs a little bit of refinement. You know, he needs, like with Hankins, he needs, you know, some additional know development with this command and control, which is not terrible right now. But if he can get up to at least average on each, maybe that maybe even a tick above average, you know, this really a good chance he develops into a number two starter with elite K potential. With that, the fast even if the changeup's just average, the fastball which he sits mid mid upper nineties or sits mid nineties can touch upper nineties with good life, like I mentioned, and then those two breaking balls, he strikes out a ton of batters. Already has shown that in the minor leagues is a K rate above 34%, near right around 35%. Granted, that was only in 23 and two thirds innings, but that shows the type of swing and miss stuff that he has. So I think while they're both very good arms, I give the slight nod to Espino, but you know, like I said, it's almost picky choosy who you like better. I don't know. What do you like on Espino? Do you like him too? Yeah, you talk about that lower body strength. Did you see the video surfacing when he deadlifted like 600 pounds? Yeah, dude. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, his so lower cool. body's insanely strong. You mentioned the delivery. I mean, the velo, he he can pump 100 at ease. Like, with, with you know, obviously there's effort because you look at that delivery, he puts a lot of effort into it. Right. But, you know, it's, it's still that fastball is extremely solid. The, the reports at the alt site where he was consistently around 97. The slider is probably better than Hankins' slider as well. So you mentioned that I probably should have Espino higher, but I don't know. I've just always had a thing for for Ethan Hankins, so that's why he's like you know one or two spots ahead for me. But still, Espino is very solid. I think, and you just look at the way the Indians develop pitchers, and and you see the future and potential in these guys, and think and know that they have a better chance to hit that upside because of the Indian system in general. And you in both these guys are young. I mean, guys that age are gonna struggle with with command. No high schoolers super well polished and command and control. And that comes with time. Both I mean, Espino just turned 20 earlier this month. So they, they still have plenty of time to develop, but both very exciting prospects. Absolutely. So you're a touch higher on Hankins, me a touch higher on Espino, both though absolutely great arms to target in dynasty leagues that are on the rise. And then the third and final Indian, excuse me, I should say, the, for the final Cleveland pitching prospect we're talking about here, Tristan McKenzie debuted last year, made six starts, and looked pretty solid in those six starts. Um, also had two relief appearances as well, total of 33 and a third inning, uh, 3.24 ERA, 0 0.90 whip, walk rate was 2.4 per nine, K rate. 11.3 per nine check out 42 batters and 127 batters face that's right around 33 percent k rate it looks really good but you know what worries me with mckenzie is not so much the stuff you know like he's got a plus fastball curveball is borderline plus as well slider and change can both be right around major league average plus he's got that really good command and control as, as well has never walked a ton of guys as he's kept his walk rate pretty consistent in the minor leagues Strike, you know, good amount of strikeouts as well, except for uh, his double A stint. But you know, it's just that the back issues, the slight frame, and he is very, very skinny, 6'5", 165, with back issues that caused him to miss all of twenty nineteen. I don't know. And then the, you look at the velocity dip, which is what I I referenced in my uh, twenty twenty one starting pitcher bust articles. That in the six starts, his 
let's see, average fastball velocity in each start. 94.5, 93.3, 92.7, 92.4, 92.2, .2, and 90.7. And then basically in every start, the max velo dropped as well. It was 96.5 in his first outing max, and then 93 topped out in his sixth outing. And then look at first and second half of the order as well. 149, 259, 319 slash first time through, 255, 296, 529 second time through with a Woba that was 90 points higher and ERA around a run and a half higher. I don't know. Chris, what what are your thoughts on McKenzie? Like I said, I like the stuff, but I'm just very, very worried on him. But you have him ranked higher than me, though. Yeah, I mean, just from the standpoint of, you know, the talent's there, the the performance has backed it up, the command is extremely good, but the body, the body just worries me, man. You mentioned he could snap so easily. Like 6'5, 160, 165 pounds. That's insane. Like too skinny. He, he uh, makes Chris Sale look like Bartolo Colon or something. <laughs> like he is so skinny. Like I just love like this dude. Just add twenty pounds of bulk. Thirty would be great. Get up near two hundred. But God, this one sixty five. That's just that just worries me, especially with the back issues coupled into that. Yeah, hundred percent. He's also just very fastball reliant, and that you know does have some concerns. You know, if hitters do catch on. Yeah. He needs to probably throw it a little less. Few pitchers can get away with throwing the fastball fifty percent of the time. Plus, as a starter, so we'll see. I mean, he's gonna have to change that up a little bit, in my opinion. But the numbers have backed it up, and he's done it at every level. I don't know. I mean, the you look at the BABIP, and it's extremely low this year. The FIP was three nine one, so it's still solid. You know, the Sierra of, of three two five. The performance has been there, and it always has been. I just have concerns about him breaking down, and it's not—it's not a performance issue for me. Like, if it was pure performance and stuff, like I think McKenzie would be higher for both of us. But yep. you, we have to factor and think about these things, so it definitely has an effect. And then you look at the velo; you mentioned it—it it dipped pretty hard at the end of last season. Reasons why we don't know, but that's never a good sign. So, uh, kind of fading them, especially price for 2021. I'm more, more out for sure. Yeah, he's being drafted as like, you know, an SP4, maybe an SP3 in deeper leagues. But I, I think he'll have some value, but I would, I'd want him a good 50 to 100 picks later than when he's going. And that's never going to happen because in every, every league, you're going to have at least one person that will value McKenzie higher than I do. So my shares of McKenzie this year are probably going to be very little or probably none. But, you know, just, dude, bulk up. Go eat a cheeseburger or something. <laughs> Put in bulk, lift some weights, get some upper, more upper body strength, more lower body strength, too, would be great. But, yeah, I would be much more confident if, if I saw some added bulk on that frame and, you know, get further and further away from the, those back issues, I think would ease my concerns as well. Sticking in the AL Central, let's go over to a pair of Minnesota Twins arms that have been slowly creeping up rankings over the last years, uh, you know, year or two. That's Johan Duran and Jordan Belazovic. Now, Chris, which one are you higher on? I know they're pretty close for most people, but in a lot of places you see them even back to back in the Minnesota system. But which one? I think I know the answer to this. I think you're moving <laughs> up more towards Duran, aren't you? I am, and I'm one of the few I think out there that has Duran higher, but. I really love the stuff. I really think he's he's been ignored for a little too long. And you look at the performance in 2019, may have turned people off. You know, just 37 innings, though, in double-A at a 4.86 ERA. So I'm kind of, you know, looking at the larger sample here. Even during that poor performance there in double-A, he still struck out 27% of hitters, only walked six, which is encouraging. Uh, the command has been solid overall. I mean, he's had some some bouts where he's walked nearly 10%, but, you know, you see some numbers in there where he's walking like between 6 and 8%. That's encouraging to me. The fastball's pretty deadly here. Uh, he's got this funky pitch that is like a splitter cutter hybrid pitch, which is interesting. Um, some people, some of uh, some of the film I've watched, the announcers call it like a splinker. It's kind of interesting how it works, but it's like a, splinker. I forgot how he describes it. It's like gripped like a splitter, but he throws it like a cutter. I don't remember exactly, but it's funky how it, how he throws it. And it's, it's a it's plus a, pitch. Yeah. It's, it's a good pitch though. Oh, whatever yeah, you, whatever right? you want to call it. It's a good pitch. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting. It's unique. Like I've, I've not seen anybody else throw anything like it. And the curveball is good. It's an average pitch. I think it gets to above average changeup. He needs to develop the changeup. That's something that I always look at, obviously, is the changeup at a starter. Right now, I'd say it's uh, a little below average. I think it gets to average pitch. But with the command, I think the command has always been solid, even though the ratings on it, the grades haven't been great. 
But again, this is a guy who I think is a mid-rotation starter. Have him slightly ahead of Belazovic, even though they're both close. I like both, but I've just been, the more I've watched Duran, I've just, man, really come away pretty impressed. And I think he's going to get some reps this year. I think both get some reps this year in the major leagues, but I'm expecting some solid performance here from Duran. Yeah, so the reason why, even though they've gotten closer in my rankings, the reason why I actually go to Belazovic more than Duran especially for fantasy purposes, is that I believe there's higher strikeout potential in Belazovic than there is with Duran. You know, it's it's funny with, with that the split split cutter or whatever. You know what that reminds me of when you know you're you're a kid and you're out in, the, in your yard throwing off a tree or off a piece of plywood, whatever it may be, off a net. You know, and you're just like trying different grips to see like what <laughs> happens with them. Right. Like, oh, what if I throw the ball like this and put my fingers there and, and release it like that? See what happens. You know, I did that. If, Every day, when I was a kid. I'm sure most most uh, kids that wanted to pitch did the same thing, trying to find if they could find some weird yeah. pitch that has like insane break. Right, uh, that kind of what, what that reminds me of with his split cutter. I'm sure you Darvish, you Darvish has probably tried this. Like, <laughs> yeah, dude, Darvish still. <laughs> I think Darvish, like in his starts, is like. You know what? Let's throw this yes. <laughs> like, oh, it's a, it's a new name, the Supreme. I just right. I still don't know what the freaking Supreme is. Supreme. I think it, he threw like nine or ten pitches last year. It's freaking nuts. The most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Okay, it might be an overstatement, but it's close. Go look, go search um on Twitter. Go search out uh put Alex Fast's handle in in the search bar. So go at Alex Fast the number eight, and then just put in Darvish or something like that. And it'll probably find the overlay that yeah. Alex did of like all 736 of Darvish's pitches. And it was a thing of beauty. I don't know. You know, I'm clapping for you, Alex. That was phenomenal. You put that together. Um, we're getting a little off subject here, but you know, back to these Minnesota arms. So I, I just think with Blazovic, I think there's more K upside there. Like with Duran, he's got that great fastball, you know, the, Curveball will flash, you know, above average, but inconsistently. I look some, some more consistency there with that pitch, you know. And before, you know, he was a low K guy in low minors. Like, look at the, look at his case for nine, six point two, six point one, seven point one. Then they've really ballooned up to ten point three and ten point six over the last two seasons. So I think there's around a K per inning there. But I would like to see, like you mentioned, you know, better consistency with that changeup for and for me the curveball as well. You know, so I, I don't know how much of a swing and miss offering the split, whatever it is, is going to be for him. You know, splitters aren't tech, you know, usually huge swing and miss offerings unless you're like really, really elite with them. So we'll see. I think he can be around a keeper inning, but with Belazovic, you know, his main, you know, he's not quite as elite with the fastball, though I, I would still call it right around a plus fastball. Duran's probably a little bit above plus, but you know, low to mid 90s, solid arm side life, especially up in the zone, you know, good extension in his delivery, low 80 slider. You know, as above average to plus pitch, you know, sharp two plane break on that as well. Changeup, you know, is around average, but he could really benefit from, you know, some more improved velocity separation from that. He, he throws it like the upper nine. He's only like five miles an hour or so different. So maybe a little less velocity there. It does have some decent sync to it. So I think there's a path to like 50 or slightly above average pitch there. Um, but yeah, improvement there would be big for him. He's control over command at present, but he's done a better job throwing strikes over the last couple of years. Command is all right. It's not terrible. Um, yeah, ceiling of a mid-rotation arm, I think the c- ceilings for them are both right around mid-rotation guys. But the reason why I just lean towards Belazovic, even though I like both arms here, is I think he's got higher strikeout upside than Duran does. But again, both very good arms moving forward. Um, another central pitcher, but moving over to the NL, gets his essential tip of day here, uh, Hunter Green. He is very, very intriguing as an arm that was a number two overall pick back in 2017. Hasn't really pitched a lot because he had Tommy John surgery. He only has 72 and two-thirds innings uh, over the last three seasons. You know, he missed all 2019, so most of that work, actually basically all of that work was in 2018 in the Midwest League. And he pitched in about four and a half ERA, but he's back healthy now. And my question to you, Chris if green pitches like he can, like he's shown he's able to in 2021, do you think he's a guy we're looking at as a top 10 arm when we have these types of episodes and rankings next off season? 
I think it's highly possible, like the talent levels there. And, and we knew that, I mean, he went second overall the 2017 drafts, you know, the, the red saw the talent, everybody saw the talent was very excited about him. And then obviously there's been the elbow issues, like all those, the, the injuries and the performance hasn't been great. Like you look at the numbers and you know, not a, not a ton of time. It's not been great by any means, but the reports out of the outside have been, absolutely stellar about his velocity being up to back at the hundred mile an hour mark. I mean, just killing it there. He's got the solid slider and change up as well. I think the command is stellar. Honestly, I think that uh, you look at what he's done, even when he's pitched poorly, the walk rates are extremely low. So the command is very, very good here. I don't see any reason why he can't make that jump again. I think this is a type of player that I think we're going to see a lot of people that, we didn't get to the chance to see in 2020 whose value had dropped and they're going to come back out in 2021 and show us a good reason why they should make jumps in rankings. And so I would not be surprised to see that out of green. I think he's going to come out just guns a blazing in 2021 and, and make a big jump back up rankings. Definitely think he could, he jumps back in that top 10 range. I was looking at my top 10. I could see it. It's definitely possible. Yeah. I, I think he's going to, I really do. The more, you know, you look at Hunter Green, the more you like. And well, right now I have Nick Lodolo ahead of him just because, you know, Green's coming off the injury and, and who knows how he's going to look. Even though in the videos I have seen, he's looked pretty damn good. But there's no denying who has the higher upside here between Lodolo and Green. It's Green. And like you mentioned, the fastball is truly elite. Upper 90s can touch triple digits. You know, slider, I think, is a plus pitch, maybe even above. You know, it's a filthy pitch. You know, maybe in a tick above plus when he's really throwing it well. Change up is above average, flashes plus at times, good fade and drop on that as well. You know, it's a little behind the slider, but still a very good pitch. Like you mentioned, though, the command and control, you know, people kind of think that, you know, it was kind of a raw arm, you know, needs a little bit more polish, obviously, because he was, he was a high school arm coming out of the draft, but he is an above average command and control guy. Like he really is. And I think that's really going to be cemented when he gets more reps. And starts, you know, gets back in the game action here in 2021 because he really can locate the pitches. So I really think when you when you put that all together, you know, that you know, three, you know, two pitches that are easily plus, a third that is at least above average, flashes plus, and that type of command and control profile with you know his type, his size, six four, two twenty, you know, so much to like here. And I think with a lot of these guys, you know, currently in our top ten, like. Look at my personal top 10. Gore could graduate off the list this year. Pearson should. Sixto will. Manning could. Whitley, who knows. Uh, Ian Anderson will. Patino probably will. Mize probably will. Hancock won't. Lacey won't. So then you get into the, you know, Max Meyer obviously won't. Kopech will. Gilbert probably not. Grayson Rodriguez probably not. I think he can definitely get up to that range where into the Gilbert, Meyer, Lacey, Rodriguez range. So heck, Dude, like he could be top five. Like with all these guys graduating, everything goes right for Green in twenty twenty one. He could be top five. Like, am I crazy for thinking that? No, not at all. I think I think it's highly possible. Just because I was looking at, like you mentioned, at, at all these guys, and a lot will graduate. And I'm just thinking about the fact of who will, who else could jump. But nah, it wouldn't surprise me a single bit if he did. You know I'm excited about a prospect when my voice starts getting higher. Like I just realized my <laughs> voice got higher at the end of me talking about Green there. Uh, so you know I'm excited about a prospect there. So, but yeah, he definitely could. So many names. Obviously, some of the names will jump. Obviously, there's prospect arms that jump every year. But there's a path where you know, if we're doing rankings again next January or whatever it may be, we we could be writing down Hunter Green number four, number five, pitching prospect in baseball. So. Let's go ahead and take a break, though, and we'll come back on the other side, talk a lot of guys that debuted in 2020, and get some uh, a lot of breakout arms to end the show. So stick with us. All right. Welcome back from the break. Let's do some more personal rankings here, Chris. Who do you got, 51 through 75? All right. Let's go 51, Luis Medina, 52, Bryce Jarvis, and Cade Cavale, Blake Walston, Corbin Martin, Dean Kramer, Alec Manoa, Slade Sioni, Quinn Priester, and Tanner Houck rounding out 60. And then we'll go 61, another Red Sox, Jay Groom, Ethan Small, Zach Thompson, Luis Frias, Luis Gill, Joey Cantillo, 
Bobby Miller, JT Ginn, Braxton Garrett, and then Dalton Jeffries rounding out there at 70 and 71 through 75. Got Tanner Burns, Brennan Malone, Brent Honeywell, Tanaj Thomas, and Trevor Rogers. And for me, I got Davey Garcia, 51, and then rest of the top 60, Brett Honeywell, Quinn Priester, Luis Medina, Jackson Kowar, Tanaj Thomas, Luis Frias, Jared Jones, Dax Fulton, and the Cloth, Adam Clothenstein. I'm, I'm going to get that nickname to stick, I swear. Mm-hmm. Um, 61 through 70, I got JT Ginn, Braxton Garrett, Luis Gill, Corbin Martin, who would be 15, 20 spots higher if he had any sort of command and control. Oh, I wish he did. <laughs> I was when I wrote him up in the Arizona list. I was like, dude, he'd be top five. He'd be ahead of probably had a Walston, or at least right with Walston, if he had at least fringe average command and control. But unfortunately, he doesn't. And then Ryan Weathers, Kyle Mueller, uh, Mason Denenberg, Joe Ryan, JB Bukowskis, another good stuff, low command control guy. And then Slate Sioni at 70, running out the 71 through 75. Jack Kachanowitz, CJ Van Eyck, Bobby Miller. Cole Wynn and Ricky Vanasco, a couple of Rangers running it out. And it's funny, we were mentioning this before we came on the air, Chris. You have my Red Sox guys way higher than I do. It's funny. You have Hauk 60, Groom 61. Well, I have them Groom 77, Hauk 80. It's not that I don't like my Red Sox prospects, but just seeing how low the success rate has been on Red Sox pitching prospects over the last, you know, decade or so. Well, there, ha- there hasn't been many. And if there is, like, it would be Michael Kopech who we traded away and came up with the White Sox. But I don't know. And we'll talk about Hauk here. That's, that's a good segue because Hauk's one of the guys we're going to talk about here. Not so much Groom, who hasn't pitched since, like, 2002. <laughs> at least it feels that way. I think it's legit, actually 2016, which is still five years ago. That's half Jeez, decade at this point. When you, when you can say half decade, that's a long time. But that's a you know, fun fact, though, from my Colorado Rockies article that'll be, that's out today. Uh, Jonathan Daza was signed by the Rockies six months before Mike Trout made his major league debut. Chew on that for a minute. He gets signed back in October of 2010. Trout debuted April of 2011. And Daza is still a prospect a decade later. It's just kind of funny. But anyway, sidetracked it again. Let's get into these guys that debuted in 2020. because There was a lot of them. We, we went over some last week, but there was a lot in this range that debuted in 2020 as well. Chris, you know, let's talk about we got Davey Garcia, Dane Dunning, Tanner Haug, Shane McClanahan, Garrett Crochet. Now, who are you most excited about out of this group for 2021 alone? This has been a guy I've hyped up a lot, and it's Dane Dunning. I've said it time and time again. I think the move to Texas was a fantastic move for him. Small sample in the ballpark, but that ballpark played an extreme pitcher's park. And so I'm hoping that that continues. Dunning could be an absolute stud in Texas if the ballpark plays in his favor because he already keeps the ball in the park extremely well, does not allow many home runs at all. Uh, He keeps the ball on the ground well. The strikeouts are solid. Even if he's just a 25% strikeout guy with with solid ground ball rates, you know it's going to really play up in that park, I think. And you look at a guy who the Rangers liked enough to send Lance Lynn for, and Lynn has been absolutely stellar. So Lynn, we know, went over to the Sox in that trade, Dunning to Texas. Dunning's fastball solid. Uh, he uses the slider as well. Probably his best pitch there, wipeout pitch, change-ups, solid. The command is is very solid, in my opinion. The walk rates are they're a little higher than I'd like. You know, in the past, we looked in the minor leagues. He's walking guys at like a, a 2 and 3% rate, which is nuts, but 5 10%. You know, across the board, I think he settles in probably around like a, a 8% walk rate type guy, which is still solid. You know, I'm not going to be upset with that, but the strikeouts are solid enough. And, and he debuted last year with the Sox, got 34 innings, 397 ERA, uh, 112 whip, and a 399 FIP. You know, mentioned the 25% strikeout rate. The numbers are good. And I really just think it plays up in the ballpark. He's got some experience, major league experience under his belt now, so I'm really excited to see what Dunning can do. So Dunning's probably the one for, for 2021 that I am the most excited about. Yeah, definitely agree. At least out of this particular group of five that I mentioned, he is no doubt the top arm out of this group for 2021 because to start, he has a role. He has a rotation spot 
wrapped up. Like he's predicted to be the number four starter for Texas behind the lovely trio of Kyle Gibson, Jordan Lyles, and Kohei Arihara. I think I'm saying that right. Who they just got from Japan. You know, who knows with Arihara, but Jordan Lyles and Kyle Gibson are not number one, number two guys. Uh, They had a uh, 5.35 and 7.02 ERA last year in a combined uh, right around 100 and looks like 125 innings pitched combined. Then Colby Aller rounds out after Dane Dunner, former Brave prospect there. We had Dunning, definitely. It's funny you mentioned he debuted with the Sox. You say that to a guy like me, that <laughs> the Sox means the Red Sox. It's funny. Uh, I was like, wait a minute. I had to do a double take. Wrong but, team. <laughs> wrong Sox. But, uh, yeah, Dunning, really impressed. You know, the ERA rare on four. But, you know, strikeout over a, a batter per inning. You know, he's got that good arsenal, good mix of pitches. Doesn't walk, you know, a ton of guys like you mentioned. The walk rate is decent enough. Not great, but won't get, won't get him in trouble either. So he's definitely, just because he has that rotation spot right now, well, the other guys don't. He's the top guy from this group for 2021 for me as well. You know, the other ones I'm not even looking at, at in, in 2021. You know, ask me a week or two ago, I think Davey Garcia and Tanner Houck could have been late round options because at that time they had rotation spots. And then the Red Sox have gone out and re-signed Martin Perez. You can sense the excitement in my voice. And also uh, Garrett Richards. Now, Houck's probably on the outside looking in and just at the start of the season. Same thing with Davey too, after the Yankees got uh, signed Kluber and just uh, acquired Jameson Tyon too. So, but especially with Davey, I think they're both going to get innings this year, especially Davey because outside of Garrett Cole, two through five in the Yankee station is very shaky. You mentioned Corey Kluber, Montgomery is coming off major injury. Mingle Herman is very inconsistent. And then uh, Tyon hasn't pitched in a couple of years after back-to-back, you know, Tommy John surgeries. So the odds of those guys all staying healthy and making, you know, pitching every fifth day for the entire season are very slim. I think some, one of them is going on the IL at some point. It's a matter of who, it's a matter of when. And Davey or even Clark Schmidt, who we talked about last week, is probably the next two that are going to step in. Now, with Dave, obviously, I'm much higher in Davey than I mean, than on Schmidt than I am with Davey. And here's why I saw Davey in one star, it was only one star, but it backed up what I had seen when researching him and watching video online of him. I, I don't like Davey long term as a starter. First off, the frame, he's small. We don't see, I think he's like 5'9, 170, I believe is his list weight or somewhere in that ballpark. It's we don't see those types of guys dominate as starters for long periods of time. Even Tim Limsicum, like we showed his prime was very short. There was like that five-year stretch where he was really good, and he tailed off at the end too. You need to have the arm speed there, which Davey does, but what I saw is he doesn't maintain that velocity deep in the starts. Uh, he was hitting pumping mid-90s in the beginning, in the first couple innings in my live look, then it was down to like 92-ish you know, later on. Didn't locate the fastball well. So I don't, I won't even maybe that pitch is average for me. It really is. This is the velocity doesn't blow you away. He can in shorter stints hit like mid, you know, mid 96, 97, but in shorter stints. So maybe, maybe it's above average pitch, maybe, but in terms of, you know, he can't maintain velocity. Command of it is very spotty. It's an average pitch for me, slightly above average. Maybe curveball is a beaut. Curveball is an absolute hammer. I love that pitch. Plus no doubt there. Change up and yeah, inconsistent flashed above average. So I just don't see him maintaining success long term. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on Davey? Maybe you can have an unbiased. I'm not saying I have a biased opinion as a Red Sox fan, but I just, I've been, you know, I've shown that I can like a Yankees prospect. I love Clark Schmidt. He's my top 25. He's thinking my top 20 for a reason. But Davey, I'm so high on. You know, what, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, and I think you bring up good points. I just fear the bullpen risk. Somebody asked me the other day on Twitter about him, and if I thought even up in the bullpen, I think there's a strong chance because I, I just, I'm not sure he can handle the workload right now. He needs to answer those questions that he can actually handle a starter's workload. Hasn't done that yet. Hasn't done it in long enough stints for me to be – you know, jumping on board with him as a starter. Profile's intriguing to mention. He's got an, a beautiful curveball. The fastball, kind of kind of average, like you mentioned. And he pumps the fastball. I mean, last year pumped it 60% of the time. 
Like you're looking at what a reliever does there. That's not a, that's not what a starter does. Starters don't throw the fastball sixty percent of the time, especially when it's not blowing it by people. So I don't know. I, I definitely have my concerns. Uh, I think that he ends up in the bullpen. The Yankees are just a team that go out and buy their starters that they want. If they've got a hole in the rotation, they're going to go out and buy the top guy. They don't have an issue doing that. And so I think he's just always kind of on the outside looking in. It'd be interesting to see if he was traded, what happens. I don't really know. Like we mentioned the the Luis Castillo trade kind of surfaced. Like would Davey or Clark Schmidt have gone to Cincinnati? That'd be interesting. I just I don't still just have trouble seeing Davey sticking as a starter. We'll see though. I'm not totally ruling it out, but I do think he you could sell him high in a dynasty league, honestly. I mean, the numbers overall weren't great last year, but he did have a pretty hot start when he first came up and pitched. So and it's worth throwing out there and seeing because I just I don't like the risk right now. I'd rather just try to get rid of him and see what I can get. Yeah, and you brought up a good point there with the trade because you know it, I don't think the Yankees are done. I really don't. They have a kind of a full rotation, but like I mentioned, it's very risky. So it wouldn't surprise me if they went out and got maybe not maybe not Luis Castillo, but another you know top two or three arm to pair with Kluber and obviously Garrett Cole at the top of that rotation. And if you're gonna get any type of starter like that, if I'm the other team giving up that guy, I would absolutely be asking. I personally would ask for Clark Schmidt, but you know, just out of one of those two in general, Schmidt or Davey is the, the two top guys in this, in this rotation that are both major league ready. But I'll make this claim right now. In five years, so when we're doing our 2026 draft prep, Davey Garcia is not going to be a guy we're targeting at all. So that, at that point, he's either not a good starter or he's a bullpen guy. Probably the, probably the latter there. I think he's going to be a bullpen guy. And I don't know if he's a closer, maybe a setup guy. I don't know. So I just don't think, I think he'll have some value for a few years, you know, as a fantasy starter, but four, five, six years down the road, I think you're going to start seeing his fantasy star fade a good bit. So if that's not a sell right now in Dynasty, you know, promotion, I don't know what is. So definitely get rid of him. I, I know I have him, not that I have him in many leagues anyway, but whatever I did, I got rid of him a long time ago especially after he came up. This is a good time to trade him right now before he starts getting too many major league innings and people see that, oh, he might not be a starter long-term. So right now is a great time to trade him. A couple other names here, Chris. You know, Who do you like more out of Shane McClanahan and Garrett Crochet? They're both you – know, and more so I should ask, do you see either one? So both very talented arms. We saw that in their brief little stints with the White Sox and the Rays and the last year. Do you see either one of them pitching significant innings in the rotation this year? Probably not in the rotation. No, I don't think so. I mean, McClanahan is a possibility, I think, much more than Crochet in the rotation, at least at least for 2021, like we're saying. There's a chance McClanahan does because the Rays have, you know, kind of clean house. You know, we've we've seen them dump snail and um pulling up their projected rotation right now. He, he's not projected in the rotation, but when you look at a rotation that goes glass now, Yarborough, and then you have Michael Waka, Josh Fleming, and Trevor Richards, I definitely think there's an outside chance that McClanahan can sneak in there. Who knows? Honeywell might be back. McKay might be back. Hard to say with those guys. But I do think there's a chance that he sticks in the rotation long-term and gets some starts in 2021. I think the chance is much higher than Garrett Crochet's, in my opinion. And I like what McClanahan, McClanahan has to offer more there in his his fastball is pretty deadly and you know i mean crochet's fastball is amazing as well so can't argue that but uh, mcclanahan's got a good curve developing change the command you know the walks have been good you know outside of uh, one stint in single a in 2019 where he walked nearly 14 percent. his other stops have been decent you know 49 innings and high a walked just 4.2 percent 18 innings of double a ball six percent so you know a smaller sample there but I think the command and control are decent enough for him to to be a starter long-term, honestly. But I do think his chances are higher than Crochet's, both 2021 and long-term. Yeah, that I would definitely agree with. I, in terms of stuff, I like Crochet a bit more. I love that fastball breaking ball mix, and he, he showed that he was pumping 100 consistently when he came up, obviously, in, in relief appearances. He says more in you know, the 95, 97 in the starts. But that's the thing, though. He hasn't made many starts over the last handful of years. He only made 13 starts. At Tennessee, he made six in each of 2018 and 2019. 
And then he was going to be a full-time starter, uh, supposedly a full-time starter at Tennessee in 2020. But when he got in the one start before COVID shut everything down. So I do think, obviously, I don't think I'm not looking at either one in 2020 leagues or 2021, excuse me, unless it's super, super deep. You know, you're talking rostering 500 plus players. I think they could come into play there. And I definitely agree. McLean has a better chance at, you know, making some starts this year because the White Sox rotation is pretty chock full. They got Michael Kopak at number five. So I don't, I don't think they're going to be using Crochet as a starter anytime soon. And right now he's projected to be in their bullpen as a middle relief guy. So he isn't going to get value there unless you're looking at some save plus holds leagues where he could have value there. But I think the path for him is if Kopech or Cease falter or get injured. So we've shown Giolito, stud. Keuchel, very solid, reliable. Lynn, good, very good, reliable. I'm not worried about those three. You know, Cease, obviously, up and down. Kopech, we all know his issues. So I think there is a path, but even then, I don't know. I don't know if Crochet's next man up, to be honest with you. You know, I don't I don't know. They might bring in somebody else for some depth. Who knows? Jonathan Stever is not too, too far off. He should be probably actually maybe in AAA to start the year, so he could be an option. As he's, he's a starter long-term, in my opinion, but who knows if Crochet even gets that chance. So I'm not looking at either one of them, but I think there's a chance that one of these two ends up as a reliever long-term and probably crochet because he could be a freaking weapon. He could be a Josh Hader, you know, Andrew Miller from a few years ago type of pitcher where he's just, you know, that, that fastball breaking ball combo. He's going to rack up so many strikeouts. Could be a late inning guy. We'll see, but you know, definitely some reliever list with both these guys more so with crochet, but I'm avoiding both in 2021. And, and lastly, you know, a little bit on how here that, fastball slider combo i love it you know both are plus pitches needs to work on the rest of the arsenal but he's a guy that you know deeper draft and whole leagues give him a look because the red Sox rotation is just as shaky or even more shaky than the yankees and if you've seen me on twitter at for most of this offseason i've been bashing the red Sox rotation a lot because eovaldi is made of glass he's not going to last a full 30 plus starts Eduardo Rodriguez is coming off the COVID heart thing, so who knows about him? Garrett Richards has pitched like only 40 innings combined the last few years, so who knows? Martin Perez, he'll be there, but he's not good, but he'll pitch. And then Nick Pavetta, like pff, Nick Pavetta ain't holding anybody back. So there's a good chance. I think by end of June, Houck's in the rotation and stays there the rest of the season. I think he'll pitch well enough, so give him a look in your deeper draft and hold leagues because – you know, like I said, he's gonna get the starts this year because that most of that Red Sox rotation is very risky for sure. All right, let's move on here to a couple more AL East arms. Brendan McKay and Brent Honeywell. Both these guys have been regarded as in some rankings, depending where you looked at some point or another, top ten pitching prospects. Now they've kind of slid down. Obviously, Honeywell hasn't pitched in forever, and McKay's had the injuries over the last year or two here. Chris, are you still in on either one or both? I mean, it's hard to not be in on Brendan McKay because we have to remember that in 2019, he was the best pitcher in the minor leagues. I don't think there was any debate about that. Like, he was just absolutely dominant, striking guys out, you know, between double A AA and triple A, double A, 40% K rate, and 2019 AAA, 33% K rate. The command and control is elite, could have some of the best command in the minors. The four-pitch mix is deadly. All four pitches, I think, can be above average. And the fastball, curve, change, and cutter, they're all stupid good pitches. And McKay's just a workhorse-type starter. I don't think he projects as like an ace or anything, but just a workhorse like SP3, like back-end SP2, the talent level is more than there. Obviously, people have soured on him. He had a rough debut in 2019. And then the injuries, the shoulder injuries are concerning. He underwent surgery. He'll be back for 2021, I believe, by spring training. It's hard not to be in because the price is so low right now, and the talent is more than there. It's, it's impossible to deny the talent. I don't think we just see him flame out because of this shoulder issue. Hopefully the surgery corrects it and gets it right. But, man, McKay is extremely talented. 
Honeywell is much harder to to project though because he hasn't thrown a pitch since 2017, at least in a game. So I don't know. Honeywell's talents there. I think McKay is more talented. But what do you do with these guys? Hard to say. What are your thoughts? Yeah, when you look at both these guys, you know, I think there's that magic number in terms of an age of a pitching prospect. Where when they get to that age, they become a lot less intriguing for whatever reason. And that's I think that number is 25. Because all right, they're halfway to 30 already. I think that's that's a good benchmark. Halfway to 30. So they're like, all right, are they really that intriguing anymore? Even though it's because both McKay and Honeywell are now 25. That's why I mentioned that. But I'm still in on both. I really am. McKay is still right around top 100. Honeywell is more on the like the 150 range, but very easily could be back in the top 100 if he shows that he can still pitch like he did before. Because he was he threw everything but the kitchen sink. He was almost like the U Darvish of the minor leagues. He had nine or ten pitches, but he had around five pitches. You know, fastball, three different breaking balls. He threw a slider, a curve. Curve was kind of crap. I wouldn't even say that was fringe average. But the slider was a really good pitch. The screwball as well which everybody thinks that that caused the injury, but I've seen a lot of people say that that was not an attribute to the injury, but who knows? It definitely didn't help it at all. But the three different breaking balls, the fastball was, you know, 93-95, touched a little bit higher, plus pitch, good riding life, good changeup as well. So he had four pitches that were above average as a plus, including that screwball that really baffled hitters, both both lefty and righty hitters. So I'm, I'm still in the Honeywell. He's just too good. Like with Jay Groom, he hasn't he didn't show us as much yet. You know, Jay Groom was a high draft pick, hasn't showed us as much. So I dropped him way, way further down just because of the shorter track record. But Honeywell showed a, a lot before the injury, so that he was one of the top pitching prospects in all of baseball, at least a top 10 guy. So those guys you don't give up on, especially if they haven't shown you that they are pitching poorly. Like this is all obviously the injury risk is there, and it has been as you mentioned, Chris, he hasn't pitched in a few years now. But I still I want to see him struggle and show me that the stuff's not there before I really kind of get out on any Brent Honeywell shock that I have in dynasty leagues. So I'm still in there. Then McKay, you know, he's, you, you hit it. He's one of the safest guys. Like it might be, it might be kind of funny to say, cause he's had the injuries lately and didn't pitch at all in 2020, but he's a very, very safe option with those four pitches. One of the best command and control profiles uh, you'll find in the minor league that like, he just doesn't walk hitters at all. And that's been, you know, the case since his days back at uh, at Louisville. He just doesn't walk guys, and that just gives him the high floor. Plus, you know, he's a above average to plus command and control guy. And anybody that thinks, I mean, let's add his little tip it in. He's a pitcher. He's he's. I don't. I think the hitting thing's done. I don't know if Tampa Bay has fully closed the door on that, but they still had him hitting in 2019, double A, triple A. I don't think that's ever going to become a thing. So I'm valuing him strictly on pitching talent alone. Where I think he can be, he screams number three, high floor. I think he's like a more exciting Kyle Hendricks, where I think he can have more strikeouts than Hendricks, but to be a very good pitcher for a very long time. So I'm still into McKay. I'm buying low on both these guys in Dynasty Leagues uh, for sure. And one more guy here before we get into our breakouts that I, we should have talked about with the uh, with Crochet and McClanahan, A.J. Puck. He's a guy that was another, you know, he was a top 50 overall prospect maybe back after he was drafted out of Florida into the Oakland athletic system. But now he's had a lot of injuries you know, to his throwing arm where I'm leaning more towards him being a reliever now long-term. And I've dropped him down my rankings to reflect that. But Chris, what do you think? Are, are you fading AJ Puck as well? It's hard not to, I think it's, you know, it's just kind of becoming frustrating at this point, especially if you've owned him since he was drafted. I mean, the talent's more than there, but uh, dude just can't stay healthy. Every time he comes back out, it's just another injury. And it's concerning, man. I'm telling you, like, he he had a solid debut. He debuted in 2019. It was a, a decent 11 innings there. I mean, definitely some encouragement after he had dealt with injuries in the past and struggled, you know, in double A and triple A. They bring him up and you see solid performance. But it just can't stay on the mound. And it's just one of those issues where I don't know if it gets fixed. And at what point is he just fully a bullpen guy? You know, I mean, he's made one start, excuse me, four starts since 2019. So hard does it see him being a starter long term? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they want him to. It's hard to look at a guy you drafted sixth overall and say we're throwing him in the bullpen. But 
you know, at what point is that your best option? And I really think that's his best option here. But I don't know how it's all going to play out. It'll be interesting to see. But right now, I just think he looks like a bullpen arm to me. Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, when I kind of look at, you know, deciding between whether I protect these guys as starters or relievers, it's kind of three areas I look at, right? You got Arsenal, you got the command and control profile, and then you got the durability. Two, if, if two of those three are not great, I lean bullpen. And with with Puck, the Arsenal is great. He's got the electric fastball, wipeout slider, changeup is at least average, flashes above average. So I think the Ars- he has the arsenal to start, but command and control has always been very shaky, average at best. You know, when all these injuries now, who knows how that's going to you know look when he when he comes back. So I, I think he's going to be a bullpen arm. I think Oakland's going to give him every chance to start because that's what you do with guys this talented. But I think eventually, after a few years of you know inconsistencies in the rotation, I think you're going to see him you know down the road move into the bullpen for sure. All right, let's move into our last segment here, our breakouts. This is always a fun one. Chris, who is your first breakout here for for starting pitchers? Yeah, that's uh, Zach Thompson with the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, He's an intriguing lefty, came out of the uh, University of Kentucky in 2019. Big lefty, 6'2", 215, pumps the fastball. It's a a solid pitch. It it can get up in the 96 range. Uh, Some decent spin rates on it, which are encouraging. Uh, an interesting delivery, actually, when you look at him and you watch him. Gets a pretty quick leg kick up and it, around belt high. It's interesting to watch him pitch, but he's very he's developing to a very solid pitcher. The curveball is extremely good. Probably his best pitch when you watch him. I mean, it's it, the break on it is insane, and the spin rates are just obnoxiously good. Like, they would be in some of the best spin rates in baseball right now when you look at the curve. I do think he needs to develop the slider a little more. The changeup about average right now, but the reports out of the alt side have been extremely good. And I've seen some people even bump him above Libertore in the system, which gives me some positive hope that that Zach Thompson might be this guy because I've I've liked him since they drafted him. Saw him at Kentucky several times uh, when they come down to South Carolina to play, and I I'm excited. I think that the the upside's pretty solid here. It's a lefty and. Is he the best pitcher in the Cardinal system? Might be. So I think he can really make a jump up some rankings. So definitely a guy I want to get out and on right now before the hype gets too crazy on him. Yeah, he's definitely a good name to get now because the hype, like you mentioned, hype is not very high right now. He wasn't like one of the big sexy names in the draft class. So that's a definitely a good target. And I've seen you know him ranked higher than Libertora. He was someone I'm so pretty high on. So uh, definitely a good target there. My first guy, um, I should go with my first two. First one is Brennan Malone. Came over from Arizona. He was a first-round pick in 2019, 33rd overall by the Diamondbacks. Came over in the uh, Starling Marte deal, along with shortstop Leo Verpaguero last year. Uh, I think that was right near the, the trade deadline. And he is my favorite pitcher in that Pittsburgh system. I am worried about <laughs> Pittsburgh in general, but you know they're kind of a system on the rise, so hopefully you know that you know, he can turn into a very good starter and they don't ruin him. But just looking at the pitcher himself, very, very exciting arsenal here. Mid to upper 90s fastball, you know, easily a plus pitch. Really explodes top half of the zone. Pretty smooth delivery because a little bit of a higher leg kick, not quite like Mackenzie Gore level, but it does bring the knee up to the chest. But like it's a smooth delivery. Mechanics are fairly clean, repeats his delivery well. I think he's a guy that he'd be top 100 now if we had a 2020 minor league season. So he only had got the eight innings in, in 2019 and in rookie ball after the draft, 2020 was going to be a big year for him where he really could show his stuff. And I think that that would have pushed him top 100 territory. So he's easy pick for a breakout here outside of that fastball. He's got two good breaking balls, plus slider above average curve. Both got really good break to them. Changeup is around average, but, it flashes above, got the got the movement, got the velo separation uh, enough at least. So I think that could be with refinement and you know this more development as he gets older. I think that could be an above average pitch, or even if it's just average. We're looking at two plus pitches, an above average pitch, and an average pitch with solid command and control that I think could tick up to above average in time as well. So really, really love Brandon Malone here as a breakout. Uh, Quinn Priester too. Keep an eye on him. Both of these very talented arms. 
that could skyrocket up, uh, both in the same draft class as well. My second guy here, go to my dreaded New York Yankees, my arch rival, Luis Medina. I think I feel like he's a breakout every year, but <laughs> he still fits. <laughs> he still fits because this is one of the, he is one of the best arsenals in the minor leagues, but the command and control has not been there. Like before, I get into the arsenal. Let's look at this walk rates here in 20, uh, 2017, 2018, and 2019. 14 percent in 2017. 14.9 in 2019, and in the middle of that, 25% walk rate in 2018. He walked 46 in 36 innings in the Appalachian League. You don't even mean to tell you that that's not good. That is atrocious. That is not going to get it done. But he's shown he near the end, second half of 2019, he showed improvement. He's never going to be an above average command and control guy. But if he can get down to, I'll take a 12% walk rate. 10 to 12%, I think, is what's still a tick below average. I think that'll be enough for his arsenal to play and for him to really, really break out. His fastball is plus, maybe even above plus, tick, a tick above. You know, Mid-90s can touch upper 90s. Good run, good explosive life. Really attacks hitters with it. Curveball is plus. Change up above average. This needs a little more. That's the one he needs a little more consistency with. So he kind of can overthrow it at times and it loses its its um, its drop and fade, but just needs that command and control to tick up. That's the big thing with him. That's always been the thing with him. And the fact that he showed those improvements near the end of 2019, he's the one I'm really keep an eye on here to start 2021. Cause if those improvements stick and he's still, you know, improving there and keeps improving more and more, this would be a guy that he's a top 100 prospect overall potential top 20 pitching prospect in baseball. So the think the time is coming to a close that he's going to be available at a decent cost in Dynasty League. So definitely go out and get Luis Medina right now. Chris, who are your final two? Yeah, and the next one's a big boy in Jackson Rutledge. And when I say big, I mean literally he's six foot eight, 250. He's just a massive human being. And he was the Nationals' first round pick in 2019. So much talent here. You look at a guy that's got potentially a 70 grade fastball. The slider is plus pretty easily, in my opinion. Curveball, solid pitch. And like most high school guys, you see, you know, struggle with command and control. He had a short debut in 2019, pitched an Indian rookie ball, jumped to low A for nine innings, and then and then high A for 27 innings. And in those 27 innings at high A, you know, two three zero ERA, .91 WHIP. 30% K rate, 10% walk rate. Not bad. The reports out of the outside have been just absolutely stellar that he's been dominating. The fastball pumps up to 100 pretty easily. The two breaking pitches, the slider and the curve, are, are absolutely excellent. Relish is exciting, and I think you're looking at a player that could easily jump. He's, he can make a big jump this year. We haven't seen him, obviously, since he debuted in 2019. 2021 could be a big year for him. The national system is is pretty weak, but I think Rutledge can make up for that in time. Like as we see him progress, wouldn't surprise me at all to see him make a big jump in prospect rankings. So Rutledge is a guy for me and also a guy in the Indian system. And that's Joey Cantillo who came over in the trade with Mike Clevenger. He was in the Padres system, was absolutely dominant in San Diego and now he's in an organization that just does phenomenal work developing pitchers. Uh, the changeup is his best pitch by far. Just easy plus pitch there. Good command and control. Fastballs and curve are still developing, but I do think, again, in this system, they do a fantastic job of just developing pitchers. So it wouldn't surprise me a single bit to see Joey Cantillo come up and just be dominant. He's still only 21 years old. Big lefty at 6'4", 220. He probably starts in double-A this year and wouldn't be surprised to see him on the fast route in Cleveland, even though they have quite a bit of starters there. You know, We could see a variety of starters come up, but just seeing what he can do under this organization that does a ph- phenomenal job developing pitchers will be very interesting. So definitely excited to watch him and think he's a potential breakout and a big riser for fantasy this year. Yeah, it always says something when Cleveland trades for a pitching prospect. Like, all right. They like this guy. They think they can mold him. So that definitely is, is an encouraging sign. But, Chris, you got to stop being so nice. You said 
the NAT system is pretty weak. That is putting it very <laughs> nicely. Their system uh, is garbage right now. Yes, they're not good. It's like a tree. It's like Rutledge, Cavalli. I still kind of like Denneberg. And it's like, you know, crap after that. But yeah, definitely like both those arms as well. My final arm, someone I tweeted about around an hour and a half ago, Matthew Allen from the Mets. This was a first round talent in 2019. Fell to the third to the soundability concerns. Mets got him locked up, and they're going to be glad they did. Obviously, they know what type of pitcher he is. This is going to, I'm going to say this right now. By this time next year, Matt Allen will be a top 15 pitching prospect in baseball and top 50 overall. He's that good. Only He's another guy that, kind of like Malone, where 2020 was going to be a big year for him, but didn't have the minor league season. Only has 10.1 innings under his belt when he struck out 14 guys back in 2019. He's got three, a nice three-pitch mix, a very nice three-pitch mix. Fastball sits like 93, 96, touches 97, 98, really good arm side life, explodes on hitters when he throws it up in the zone. That's an easy plus pitch. Change up, lags a little bit behind the other two. I'm doing the other pitch last for a reason. Change up's probably above average. You know, it flashes above average, I think, with consistency, you know, he a lot of times he'll just really overthrow it and it'll lose its shape. And, you know, he'll throw it a little harder, but it's flash above average. So I think with refinement, more reps, he can get that thing to above average because when he's when he's on with it, it's got good fade, good sink. So definitely with you know with increased usage, that could be an above average pitch. And then there's the curveball. I told Chris before we came on the air, Matthew Allen's curveball it, it arouses me. It, it's a very it's a sexy curveball. <laughs> It's, it's, oh my God, it's the break. It's a true hammer. It's, it's, he'll start it off like up at your freaking head and drops down to your knees. He can land it for strikes. He can bury it below the zone. And it's a swing and miss offering if there ever was one. 12 to 6 shape. It's just such a beautiful. I might, I might even throw that at a 70 grade on his curveball. It's easily plus, easily plus, close to 70 grade. So if, if the changeup can take up, and he's got pretty solid command and control as well, really sturdy frame, really powerful legs, gets good, uh, gets good extension, nice downhill playing on that fastball. It's a lot to like here. So I think you're really, really going to see Matthew Allen skyrocket up prospect rankings. He's in, I think he's around uh, what 175 to 200 for me right now. Now maybe even higher. Maybe he's higher like 150 or 125, but he's going to be much higher than that this time next year. So go out and get Matthew Allen, pause this podcast. If you must go out, pick him up, trade, make a trade offer for him, whatever you need to do, get him on your team now, because you're going to regret it if you don't. All right. That's going to wrap us up. Another great show, Chris, what a fun pitching prospects. You know, we could have gone so much, talked about so many more guys, but we'll cap it there. Thanks to everyone again for tuning in this week. And we will be back with you again next week. And we'll get out our, consensus rankings here middle of the week and maybe even do another you know fantasy baseball prospect ama next weekend we were talking about that earlier so we'll definitely put out the details on that if we do which we probably will probably on saturday so be on the lookout for that and we'll be back with you again next week with some more prospect talk but until then take care